0: There's a very solemn process within courts when somebody is sentenced to death. Obviously, the judge writes the judgment. uh, And when he signs off on the judgment, uh, generally a common practice is for that pen to be broken.
1: That's Manel Fernandez. She reports on Sri Lanka for Al Jazeera. She's lived there for most of her life. And during her time there, the country hasn't executed a single prisoner. Once a judge signs off on the death penalty and breaks that pen, the prisoner just sits on death row. But it looks like that might be changing. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. There's actually been a moratorium on the death penalty in Sri Lanka since 1976. But Sri Lankan President, Matripala Siracina, has been working to bring it back. And it all came to a head, in a bizarre way, back in February.
0: It uh, was, uh, you know, one of those things that you don't come by every day. I almost can't imagine
1: what it must feel like to be a Sri Lankan, you know, sitting at the kitchen table, drinking coffee, opening the newspaper and flipping through and then seeing an ad
0: for a hangman. What was your reaction? Where, Where did you first see it? Initially, I heard that the ad had been placed and out of pure curiosity, Malika, I had to get myself uh, basically this ad and have a look at it.
1: So this was a full page newspaper ad
0: with lots of specifications. Can we talk about what it said? So basically the ad said, should have an excellent moral character and being convicted by any court of law regarding an offence relevant to a character-based crime will be a complete disqualification for appointment to the above post. It said selected candidates will be referred to a test conducted at the National Hospital to check the mind and mental strength. Uh, This is obviously to make sure, you know, you don't get... uh, some, you know, psycho applying for the post of executioner. But that's literally what the actual newspaper ad said. And uh, it did attract uh, around 105 applicants. That included one or two females uh, and even uh, two foreign nationals, from what I'm hearing from the prisons. So I want to back up a little
1: bit and understand how we got here in the first place. Sri Lanka hasn't executed anyone since 1976, so what was happening in the
0: 70s? The trend at the time, uh, Malika, was moving away from executions, from uh, basically killing people as punishment. So there was no removal of uh, that punishment, but it's just that there was a kind of an unwritten agreement that everybody then fell in line with that moved away from the actual implementation of the death penalty. People were sentenced to death, but this was kind of automatically moved or commuted to life imprisonment.
1: That's one thing that really sticks out to me in this
0: story, that the pen breaks, the lights go out, but nobody is executed. See, that's the technicality. The convicted prisoner who's been sentenced to death... At least knew all of these years that he's not going to hang, he's not going to be killed, uh, but he will probably spend all his days in prison. There have been a number of occasions when uh, you know successive leaders or governments have tried to bring it back. This was you know first stopped in nineteen fifty six It was brought back uh, a few years later after the assassination of the then prime minister. Then again, in the late 90s, uh, we did see the president at the time uh, talking about reintroducing the death penalty, the implementation of the death penalty. Bear in mind that we do have an election uh, looming large. So what do you think the people of Sri Lanka want?
1: What do they see in terms of capital punishment? Do they want it to be reinstated or are they ambivalent?
0: Sri Lanka itself has been uh, and has had a pretty violent past. I mean this for a country, a predominantly Buddhist population, uh, where you know violence is and is kind of not part of the whole buddhist way but we've had our fair share of militant insurgencies brutal civil wars uh, a few years ago there was a very violent case of gang rape of this young schoolgirl, where the entire community the entire country was at one you know calling for the perpetrators to be punished uh, there was a lot of a call for the death penalty it's, it depends on obviously the mood at the time So the president
1: says it's about drugs. But as we're learning, it's more than that. It's about politics. We'll get to that in a minute, but first, some global context on this whole thing. Across the world, there's been a move to abolish the death penalty. Executions fell by almost a third worldwide last year. They're actually at an all-time low.
2: A majority of countries have stopped executing people.
1: That's Omar Warwick deputy director of Amnesty International South Asia Bureau. In fact, he says under international law, it's unlawful to execute someone for drug-related crimes.
2: The only thing that international law allows for, for countries that haven't abolished the death penalty yet, is an execution for the most serious crimes, i.e. intentional killing. But even countries like Iran, which has executed thousands of people, in grossly unfair trials has now come to the conclusion that the executions aren't working. The death penalty is not a deterrent for drug-related crimes. Unfortunately, what's happening instead is you have these populist tactics being used where people flourish the death penalty as a silver bullet solution, as something that can instantly get them results and get rid of all of their problems. Instead of looking at the history of this problem and realizing it's not a solution at all.
1: So, Manel, Omar talks about execution being a populist tactic. Other populist leaders are trying to bring it back to, like, President Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines. Siracina is also a bit of a populist. So is this a surprise then that he wants to roll this out in Sri Lanka?
0: Well, not a complete surprise, Malika. It's been building up. We've had a few months uh, when there have been kind of indications, if you like. The president has been talking about the death penalty. He did a trip to the Philippines where he uh, met up with President Duterte. The Philippine leader has faced harsh criticism for launching a bloody drug war in his country. More than 6,000 people killed in the three years since President Rodrigo Duterte launched his so-called war on drugs. But rights groups say the actual number could be five times that figure. And in fact, when he was there, uh, he did talk about how much um, sort of he admires the Philippine president and his war on drugs.
2: The war against crime and drugs carried out by you is an example to the whole world and Personally, to me.
0: In fact, uh, he directly told the president, uh, "The drug menace rampant is rampant in my, in my country, and I feel we should and follow I in your footsteps." That we should follow your footsteps. That's from President Maitripala Sirisena. So uh, people were sort of made aware that this was his thinking. Uh, They had been talking about the need uh, to actually implement the death penalty, which is on the statute books, which is in law here in Sri Lanka. But we uh, didn't have any sort of concrete indications. But the death penalty isn't actually legal in the Philippines at
1: this point. Duterte is trying to change that. So... Do people in Sri Lanka have admiration for Duterte? Do they see what's happening in the Philippines and think,
0: that's what we want? I think the uh, case of the Philippine president is, is not something uh, that is uh, very familiar to your average Sri Lankan. I mean, to your sort of man in the village. Uh, to be quite frank, it's Sri Lankan politics that, you know, keeps him spellbound. The president says he will implement the death penalty.
2: That is a good thing, because there are too many crimes in this country. There is a lot of
0: corruption and other illegal activities because of drugs.
2: So is
1: drug use really that big of a problem in Sri Lanka?
0: Where drugs are concerned in Sri Lanka, there have been in recent years obviously a rise in the number uh, of uh, those using drugs. Obviously drugs are becoming, not just in Sri Lanka, in many parts of the world, but uh, when we talk about the case here, it's not as if the crisis, uh, it's a crisis, but obviously people are worried because uh, we're seeing sort of younger children being brought in, to this menace. Drugs are being seen, uh, making the rounds in schools. And for these reasons, uh, the president has zeroed in uh, in terms of drugs. It's not as if we haven't had heinous crimes uh, in terms of murders, in terms of rape uh, and things like that. But this is what he has picked as his vehicle to establish that tough guy image. Uh there is a certain element of politics at play here. The president has said that the um you know drug barons are very involved in terms of trying to uh, manipulate the way things are going in this country. So his uh, kind of rationale at this stage is that some kind of action is absolutely essential uh, and that he wants to be seen actually acting against uh, these drug lords.
1: What is it that makes him think reinstating the death penalty is going to win him over with voters?
0: To be honest, Malika, uh, the uh, a number of people in this country uh, don't even pretend to understand what he's thinking. But for some analysts who have looked at the issue Uh, some of the decisions, they feel that this might be President Sirisena, you know, trying to come across as a kind of tough guy to show that he is doing something uh, and doing something decisive. President Matripala Sirisena is no stranger to politics. I mean, he's been uh, sort of in the field for a number of decades. He's been uh, sort of part and parcel of the Sri Lankan political landscape, uh, specifically his uh, party, the Sri Lanka Freedom Party. Uh, He sort of worked his way up uh, and uh, ended up literally as its general secretary. That was before he crossed ranks to become the uh, sort of common candidate for the then opposition. Uh, And uh, he went on, obviously, to be elected as president. Uh, Fast forward to sort of four and a half years down the road, and for a lot of people, uh, there is a lot of disappointment, because the president, uh, who promised to bring change, uh, has been seen uh, sort of going back, backtracking on some of the promises he made, essentially turning on the party, the alliance that brought him to power as their common candidate. So Sri Lanka has an election that's coming up, and... We've seen something like
1: this before, where a president of a country makes a drastic change or goes back to something that was there before. But what pushback has Syracina received? Is there a political opposition that's saying, we don't want this?
0: There has been basically a pushback, a reaction that President Sirisena is facing. In fact, he's quite livid that his plans to bring in the death penalty uh, have not been smooth so far. Eleven fundamental rights petitions were filed with the Supreme Court today against the decision taken to carry out the death sentence in Sri Lanka. Now, The Supreme Court issued an injunction order today against the implementation of the death penalty until the 30th of October. Mm. Basically, a number of people went to court and filed fundamental rights petitions, you know, asking and petitioning the courts against the implementation of the death penalty. So what happened was they issued a stay order freezing any possible executions till the 30th of October. Now, that is just one day after the courts will be hearing those fundamental rights petitions. So... The president, in fact, has remarked on it uh, and he has been very, very angry about the fact Uh, that these executions have been formally stayed uh, by the the Supreme Court. Uh, In addition to that, we're also seeing a private member's bill in Parliament uh, essentially calling for the abolition of the death penalty from the statute books. So these are uh, two sort of clear forms where President Sirisena is facing a sort of a pushback against his plans.
1: But Sirisena doesn't seem to be backing off. He signed four death warrants, which was the first time a Sri Lankan president has done that in 43 years. So were they going to
0: execute these people? I don't see it actually happening in that. Uh, one, the Supreme Court has ruled that it can't happen till the 30th of October. I don't really see the death penalty being actually executed. There
1: are almost 1,300 people on death row in Sri Lanka. When they were sentenced, I imagine they assumed they would just spend the rest of their life in prison. What about them?
0: Having signed off these warrants, he was holding off on actually informing the particular convicts because it would cause a lot of consternation and a lot of um, sort of unease uh, within the prisons. Obviously, it's going to cause uh, a lot of uncertainty and unease. I mean, you're going to be telling, uh, you know, four pretty high-profile prisoners that they're going to be hanged uh, to death. So the people who might be executed don't even know. That's right, Malika. The crazy thing about uh, Sri Lankan politics, we have a government that is kind of on two sides of the political divide. We have the president, President Maitripala Sirisena, who is going all out for the implementation of the death penalty. He has these four uh, sort of, you know, drug convicts uh, lined up for execution. On the other side of the divide is the Prime Minister, who has said he's against the death penalty. Uh, in terms of President Sirisena, uh, as I said He continues to get angrier and angrier that he's being uh, kind of thwarted. In fact, uh, just the other day, he said that if the private member's bill is actually brought before parliament, that he would declare a national day of mourning. So, I mean, these are the kind of things we're hearing from our leaders and our politicians. And Sri Lankans as a whole are kind of trying to figure out what exactly they should think. And that's
1: The Take. This episode was produced by Dina Kispé with Morgan Waters, Ney Alvarez, Priyanka Tilvey, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Luke Rohr was the sound designer. The social media producer is Natalia Aldana. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Manel Fernandez, Omar Warwick, and Dan Yar. We'll be back
0: next week.